You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The voicemails kept coming in this week, so we'll get to as many as we can. Welcome into the Locked On Bears podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Cox, and I'm here to bring you your daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. Today is the Friday mailbag edition of the podcast where we take your questions from voicemail, text, email, Twitter, however you want to send them in, and we'll answer those questions right here on the podcast. Today's questions focus in on the future of the quarterback position, the Bears offensive running scheme, and a few different guys who have stood out on defense. Let's start with this Bears running game because it's one of those issues that continues to linger this season, and I don't know that we've talked a lot about it. Hey, Lauren, this is uh, Michael in Jacksonville. I wanted to get your take on the Bears running scheme. Um, I was looking at last year in Week 11 when they changed it to like a more of a zone blocking scheme, and Howard's uh, per average attempt went from 2.9 to 4.1. You can really tell a difference for the rest of the season um, with that, and I was wondering. Could you tell me what kind of scheme they're running now? Because it don't seem to be zone blocking. And if not, you know, don't you think it'd be a good idea to maybe look back at the success they had last year? Because it seems like um, our rookie running back, uh, David Montgomery, would really fit well into that system. And I understand that the zone blocking scheme takes a lot of stress off the offensive line uh, and stuff like that. Trying to get your thoughts. Um, love the podcast as always. Look forward to listening to it tomorrow. I appreciate the call, Michael, and it's a good opportunity to kind of check in a quarter of the way through the season on where the Bears' running game stands and, and what it kind of looks like so far. Matt Nagy came to Chicago from an Andy Reid system that likes to work in more of the gap scheme style of runs rather than being more of the pure zone style rushing attack that we had gotten used to under the previous few Bears' regimes. And we saw early in last season, Matt Nagy wanted to push more and more of those power and counter and trap running plays in this Bears offense, and it clearly wasn't the best fit for Jordan Howard. And as the season went on, we saw him lean more and more toward a a more of a zone-heavy rushing scheme, and the Bears had some more success in that change. And so entering 2019, we're seeing the Bears stick with generally speaking, still a more zone-heavy rushing attack, particularly with David Montgomery. But even overall, we're looking at roughly 60 to 70% of their handoffs this year have been zone runs. They'll mix in some power and some counter and a couple of other different things here and there to balance it out a little bit more. But over 50%, or right around 50% inside zone, and then another, you know, 10 to 15% outside zone, 10 to 15% power, a couple of sort of pin and pull type plays, a couple traps, a couple counters, a couple draws. You know, they certainly go through the whole gamut of scheme, but still primarily an inside zone team with with a little bit of everything else mixed in around it, which lines up with what David Montgomery ran at Iowa State for the most part. And I want to use this opportunity to kind of go in depth on those different types of runs to make sure we're all on the same page here. The key difference with a gap scheme run versus a zone scheme run, a gap scheme run will have a designated 
gap that the running back is attacking on the play and that the blocking scheme is clearing the run to only be run through that one gap. It allows the running back to be able to attack it aggressively, downhill, get some speed, get some power behind their pads, and really be able to fight through and break into the open field. Think Adrian Peterson. That's really where he thrived early in his Minnesota Vikings days. So you have a power play where you're pulling a guard from the backside to the front side and having a double team block to sort of clear up in a space for the guard to pull through and the running back to follow his block or a counter run with two guards pulling or a trap play where you leave one person unblocked and have a pulling lineman take out an unblocked defender. There's a lot of different ways you can run gap scheme, but that's sort of the basic simplified concept behind it. Whereas a zone running play, you have the entire offensive line moving in the same direction in sync and all sort of blocking in a certain direction. But the running back is reading those blocks and trying to find where the open space is going to be. Typically, they have a designated read of a certain gap where they're going to start looking at this part and then sort of work their way. And there's almost a progression like a quarterback of reads for which area the running back is going to cut back to. And so the Bears have had more success running zone. David Montgomery, more of a zone running back. Jordan Howard was more of a zone running back as well. And I I was a little bit surprised by what the numbers kind of said when I looked it up because I, I had perceived, it seemed like watching just the eye test anecdotally, more gap scheme than I remembered. But I, I think I've just noticed the power plays and the pin and pull plays a little bit more. But scheme has not been the issue, has not been what has held this Bears offense back. I do think... The biggest issue in the running game has been the offensive line. Sometimes it's Kyle Long not being able to hold his block. Sometimes it's James Daniel not getting off the snap and into his block fast enough. I mean, those two guys, I think, have been the primary problems in the running game, but it really hasn't been phenomenal anywhere across the board. You know, no one is really dominating up front in that regard on this offensive line, and there have been mistakes made across the board, but I think... Daniel and Kyle Long and even Charles Leno sometimes as well have been a bit of your bigger culprits in that regard. And even though the zone blocking scheme gives the running back some options to cut back if the offensive line fails, the offensive lineman still has to be able to hold off in one direction or the other. They have to pick a direction to block the defender. And even if it's not the direction they originally wanted to, they have to give a clear read for the running back. And even that hasn't always been so clear for Montgomery or Tariq Cohen or who's ever back there. Fortunately for the Bears, it seems like it's the kind of thing that's improvable as the season goes on. Just as this offensive line gets back toward that level of play that we've become accustomed to them. Especially going to need it with Chase Daniel at center as we look at potentially another low-scoring game in London against the Oakland Raiders, where the over-under right now is set at 40.5 points on mybookie.ag. Currently, the lowest scoring point total set for this weekend. But the Bears continue to gain in the spread, becoming a bigger and bigger favorite, now up to 5.5 points. If you like those odds, then you need to go to mybookie.ag. Because no one gives you more ways to win. Between football season, the MLB playoffs, and the start of the basketball and hockey seasons, 
it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action. Whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, MyBookie is your best bet. And if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to double your cash at mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. We got a couple of different questions this week centered around the future of the quarterback position, and they both touched on the same topic but kind of went about it in different ways. So let's hear a couple of voicemails and then get into it. Hey, Lauren. This is Curtis calling from sunny California. I'm a longtime Bears fan, and unfortunately, I don't live anywhere near our beloved, and I've had to watch the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years of Bears football with underperforming quarterback play. Uh, and like you and, and a lot of other fans, you know, it's just enough is enough. At what point are we finally going to just say, look, this guy isn't our guy. Everybody else, whether it's year one, year two, year three, they get it. They make the offense move. Chase Daniels, by his own admission, wasn't even expecting to have to hop in right when he did. He thought he had, you know, a whole off, you know, a whole series to to prepare to warm up a little bit. He went in there and he executed off the cuff way better than I've seen Trubisky do in a long time. So my question to you, Lauren, is, is do we sign someone off the street? Do we just, what do we do here? Because, I mean, the writing's on the wall. Um, I'm just tired of everybody trying to dance around the issue. Thanks, Lauren. Hey, Lauren. It's Luke from Northwest Indiana. Just been thinking with Trubisky's injury this last week, what the long-term plan at quarterback is going to be, especially after seeing Chase Daniel look arguably better than Trubisky in the system last week against uh, Minnesota. It's making me wonder what the long-term plan is if Trubisky doesn't ever really show improvement from the first few weeks this season. Could the Bears pursue a free agent? Could they make a trade, maybe try and draft a quarterback? Well, let me know if you think there's any possibilities there in the future. And thank you, and bear down. Thanks for the questions, guys. And I detect some levels of frustration in there, and it's understandable to want some consistency at the quarterback position and some clarity that maybe we thought we once had. You thought you had, and now you're not so sure what exactly is going to happen. And it's a situation that has changed a lot in the last few weeks and I think is going to continue to fluctuate. So I would say first and foremost, buckle in because the the back and forth here and what happens with Chase Daniel over the next few games and what happens with Mitchell Trubisky's shoulder, we're going to see, I think, some some back and forth here that will uh, won't always be the best. <laughs> I, th- I think there's going to be some ups and downs here that won't always be fun. But it's it is the it's the interesting situation. It's sort of the million dollar question surrounding this team right now. And I think it's important to to first acknowledge that yes, Chase Daniel played very well against the Minnesota Vikings and and kept them in a p- position to win that game and looked like the more comfortable quarterback in this offense. But Chase Daniel doesn't have a history of doing that for a while and being able to string together consecutive strong performances. And there is a reason, not only 
I mean, I, I think it's a cop when people say, well, there's a reason he's the backup to Mitchell Trubisky because he was going to be the backup to Mitchell Trubisky no matter what because of draft position and quarterback development, et cetera, et cetera. But the bigger point is there's a reason he hasn't been a starting quarterback in the NFL across his, what do I count, 10 years in the league now? This this will be year number 10 out of Missouri. He's 32 years old, and he's not just going to be a great starting quarterback out of nowhere after so long, right? There are very clear limitations to Chase Daniel. And I think the bigger point is, given where the rest of this team stands, his limitations can be covered up a little bit more easily with the strong defense, good playmakers, and maybe a running game that can continue to improve. Whereas some of Mitchell Trubisky's deficiencies in terms of decision-making and hitting some easy throws in terms of accuracy are a little bit harder to mask in that regard. So it's it's a difficult spot, and I think the Bears are going to give Mitchell Trubisky every opportunity to be successful, to develop as a quarterback, and the question becomes how long do they hold on, and at what point do they feel like he's what he is, for better or for worse, in the sense that if they still think he's going to get better, when will they know he's reached that point? How long can they continue to sort of say, he's going to get there, he's going to get there? You know, Now that we're in year three and year two of Matt Nagy's offense, I mean, does that look like another year? And then do you accept the fifth-year option? And then the contract extension talks. Like That's what muddies the waters here is that contract extension and the amount of money that you have to pay quarterbacks in the NFL. You see Jared Goff get over $30 million a year, and he continues to kind of have some ups and downs for the Los Angeles Rams. And, you know, their offense hasn't been the problem this year, but still at times he hasn't looked like a quarterback super worth that hefty price tag. And you don't want to get locked in long-term with an expensive quarterback that you can't get rid of. You may remember the seven-year deal Jay Cutler signed uh, not that long ago. So obviously, a lot is still going to happen as this season goes on, but the questions we were talking about, sort of what happens next, what happens this offseason, and I do think regardless of what happens, I don't think we're going to see any kind of significant quarterback change in the offseason. I think it will continue to be Mitchell Trubisky and Chase Daniel. I mean, maybe Tyler Bray gets in there somehow and, and maybe unseats Chase Daniel. I mean, a backup quarterback change, but we're not going to see a significant free agent investment. And I don't think we're going to see a significant draft pick investment either. And the Bears don't have a first round pick. The number of picks in the draft is always a valuable commodity. And I think at best we could see a day three type you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round type quarterback, probably closer to the bottom of the draft, just to get another younger body in there as more of a developmental prospect and always kind of keep your doors open. But other than that, I'm expecting at least a full another year of giving Mitchell Trubisky every opportunity to be successful and, and truly making sure that they're not missing out on something else, which I can see as a, a smart strategy just to, you know, when you have a quarterback coach and system like this with Matt Nagy, who's been able to get production out of other quarterbacks, you know, you want to make sure you're not giving up on somebody too early and not, you know, attributing things incorrectly and, and blaming him for things that he shouldn't be blamed for. Although at this point, I think 
the the signs aren't encouraging, and you do wonder how long will long enough truly be? Because this team has to maximize the talent that they have on defense. And we're going to turn our attention to a couple of the standouts on that side of the ball next on Locked On Bears. Let's start with a guy who had to step in last week and really performed well on short notice. Hey, Lawrence. Darius from Dallas, man. All right, calm down from the emotional high uh, from, the, from the good win the other day. Um, but I've been listening to some people in the, you know, just Chicago media and stuff like that, and I'm just not hearing enough people hype up Nick Kwiatkowski's performance. I mean, the guy came in on short notice. He's been nothing but a good teammate for the past three years. I noticed that he had excellent instincts when he was at West Virginia, and I think that it shows now. Um, and I know with Roquan Smith's whole deal, uh, but I'm not worried because Kwiatkowski absolutely showed me that when it comes down to stopping the run, nobody, no linebacker on this team is better than him, period. I don't care what anybody has to say. Uh, he's very underrated. Uh, I don't know what got into him, man. Maybe he uh, took one of those blue chews that you always talk about and it's, you know, he get his performance going. That's what we'll do. We'll go Nikowski, blue chew player of the week. How about that? Um, I just want to see what you think about it, man. I think it's something that's not hyped up enough. I mean, I know we had other guys that stepped in, but Kwiatkowski was a man possessed out there. And uh, I, want to, I want to know what you think about the future of Kwiatkowski. Thanks, bud. Good question, as always, Darius, and I'm glad you brought up Nick Kwiatkowski because he is a guy that I don't think gets enough recognition because he's sort of been typecast as slow, white, inside linebacker, right? Who Everyone will agree that he's great against the run, but everyone is very quick to say, well, coverage, what about him coverage, Lauren? Nick Kwiatkowski, he's not very fast. He's a vulnerability in coverage, and I think that's a bit overblown and I think it's a little bit too simple of a way to look at it that yes Nick Kwiatkowski would have been a much better linebacker 20 years ago in an NFL when there was less passing and when the running game was more critical to a team's success there's no denying Nick Kwiatkowski is not the most adept in coverage he can be beaten by faster receivers especially if he's going to be caught in man coverage or working on some crossing routes underneath there are times when if he's in a foot race with someone he is not going to be able to win that foot race and there's going to be a catch allowed and some yards given up that is part of his limitations as a football player but like you said running game phenomenal attacking downhill taking on blocks bringing down running backs wrapping up very consistently and Uh, underrated aspect, his pass rushing ability as a blitzer has been consistent throughout his Bears career. We saw it in Minneapolis, or well, at Soldier Field against the Vikings with the sack and a quarterback hurry in there as well, really able to effectively pressure the quarterback without a lot of opportunities to do so. But I want to push back on the whole coverage thing because I think it's important to, to put him in context, and that's that's where I that's where I think I differentiate here is that he is a starting quality inside linebacker in the NFL. He's not a top five, top 10 potential type guy, but he's a guy who could start on a lot of football teams in this league. And when you think about linebackers in coverage, I my first question in response is how many linebackers in the NFL are good in coverage that you think are legitimately very good in coverage, not just okay 
but but very good in coverage. And you might say, well, Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan. And sure, you know, you can you can say that. Yes, those two linebackers are both solid in coverage. But outside of those two, and when you talk about a league-wide context, how many linebackers can you name that are really good in coverage? You know, you might think Luke Kuechly, Carolina Panthers. Sure, absolutely. Maybe Deion Jones, Atlanta Falcons. He's a very good, very good athlete there. Levante David from the Buccaneers was always kind of known for that. It's maybe a little bit past that now, but still still solid there, sure. But once you get past those guys, the number of household names starts to fall. You know, I'd throw like Leighton Vander Esch from the Cowboys in there and, you know, maybe a guy like Quan Alexander, you know, he misses a lot of tackles. He's pretty reliable in coverage, I suppose. But the number of linebackers in the NFL that you can name that are very good in coverage, probably you can count them on one hand. Maybe you get that second hand in there, but you're not getting any toes to be able to count. I mean, there's legitimately probably 10 if you really start nitpicking on who's very good in coverage. Everybody else, they're fine in coverage, but no one else feels great. And that's why offenses attack linebackers in coverage. We talk about it almost every week on this podcast, looking at Bears opponents. Get Tariq Cohen matched up on a linebacker. Get Trey Burton matched up on a linebacker because that is the position where coverage is the weakest in the whole back seven. So the fact that Nick Kwiatkowski isn't that strong in an area where there aren't that many linebackers that are that strong in tells me that he can fit in pretty well. I mean, maybe he's not as fast as some of the other linebackers, but he's great at attacking downhill, even when it's a coverage-related play. When he's in a zone, there's a catch in front of him, he comes down hill and hits that in the open space. So I, I do think Nick Kwiatkowski very underrated, and his contract comes up this year, and it's kind of an interesting spot because Danny Trevathan's contract comes up this year as well, both of them being free agents, and Trevathan you know, on the wrong side of 30 and getting a little bit you know, toward the end of his career. So, you know, you don't want to necessarily lock him in long-term and let Nick Kwiatkowski go, but you don't want to have to pay Kwiatkowski to sit on the bench and he might want to go for a starting role elsewhere. But Danny Trayton's not so old that you want to get rid of him right away. So that to me is one of the most interesting free agent questions coming up for this team this offseason that I'm not really sure how they're going to solve it. I want to sneak one more voicemail question in here because we got a lot this week. We don't have time to squeeze them all in, so I appreciate everyone that sent them in, and please keep sending them in for next week because I love it. And the more questions we have, the better the variety, and we can get all sorts of different topics here on the podcast. But one other defensive player that we want to focus in on. Hey, Laurie. My name is Mo, calling from Los Angeles, California. First off, just want to say how much I really enjoyed your shows, and I think you're doing a great job. Hope you really keep it up, man. Uh, yeah, my question for you is, it seems like Kyle Fuller drops back or it softens up on his man before the ball snaps. And sometimes he gets beat with his fire slam or he just misses his tackle because the receiver has an open field to make a play. And so the question is, do you think this is a flaw in his game? Could it be a potential issue for opposing offenses with maybe great caliber receivers exposed and beat him? And, or honestly, do you think it could be a game plan issue? And, He's just doing what he's been told to do in time practice. But, yeah, anyways, I appreciate any insight you give. And, as always, bear down. I appreciate the call, Mo. And Fuller's an interesting player in this, in exactly the way that you're talking about, in terms of how he likes to line up pre-snap. And I don't know that it 
like how much of it is dr- coaching driven versus player driven. I, I mean, I do think giving him some of that space before the snap off the line of scrimmage is putting Kyle Fuller in the best position to be successful. So I, th- I think it's somewhere in between a coach and a player decision there. And it, at times it is a vulnerability. And I'm not sure why. You know, it seemed like with Vic Fangio, they were a little bit more predictable in that sense. And I don't have numbers on it for Chuck Pagano yet, but I, I think anecdotally we've seen a little bit more, not press, but closer to the line of scrimmage looks from Kyle Fuller this year than we did last year, where a lot of times it was Amukamara up, Fuller off every single time. And the nice thing about that from Vic Fangio's standpoint is they would always sort of make the defense look the same to the offense before the snap. And then after the snap, you don't know exactly what you're going to get. So Fuller might start off, but, you know, kind of come up and meet the meet the wide receiver at the top of his route and kind of press the rest of the way. And Prince of Mukamara might bail out, or sometimes they'll do what they look like they're going to do. And, and it was effective in that regard. But too often, it seems like, right, and I think I detect this sort of feeling in your question, that too often it seems like Kyle Fuller is giving up free yards. And, you know, you mentioned missed tackles. He's been better the last couple years, it was a problem earlier in his career, especially. But the last two years, he's really been tackling well. He's he's missed three in four games this year, which is a little bit higher pace than last year. But it's it's been pretty well spread out. And he's stepped up and made some nice tackles and, and big stops along the way, particularly in the running game. So I I don't know that tackling is a, is a huge issue for him anymore. But there are a lot of balls thrown his way. I mean, there's a reason... For a while last year, he was leading the NFL in targets. He finished as the third most targeted cornerback. And this year, as of now, through four weeks, I believe he is tied for the sixth most targeted cornerback with 32 passes thrown his way. And for comparison, Prince of Mukamara has half that, 16 passes. And I believe they've played pretty much an identical number of snaps. So, I mean, it's clear that a lot more balls are thrown Cal Fuller's way because there is a lot more of that space there. But at the same time, he is best when the play is in front of him, especially when he can keep his eyes on the quarterback and kind of play a little bit more of that zone role and attack the ball. He has a really great feel for being able to sense where the wide receiver is without having to actually put his eyes on the wide receiver and can keep kind of playing that quarterback and kind of move a little bit without having to think and just kind of flow through the back end of the defense. And it's a, it's part of why he's been able to make the plays on the ball that he has. Whereas when he's matched up in press man-to-man coverage and has to sort of turn his back to the quarterback and just shadow a receiver and, and trail them, sometimes he can get a little bit out of place and lose track of the ball in the air and get kind of caught up and draw penalties and, and give up plays more so downfield. So I think the off coverage gets him in a better position to be able to attack the ball, but also, you know, allow him to sort of turn and run and be more prepared if something is going to happen over the top and and not give up some of the big plays that we may have seen a little bit more frequently earlier in his career. Whereas being able to keep things in front of him, I think the Bears are willing to allow the three to four yard catch and step up and wrap up the tackle and kind of call that a win. And, you know, then you get to third down and and shorter distances, then he'll play up a little bit more and you kind of take your chances and hope the pass rush can get home. And it sort of goes back into the whole 11 guys, you know, playing defense together as one unit that it's sort of part of that chess match of when you give him that space, when you don't from Kyle Fuller. But for the most part, he's been able to make it work. He certainly made it work really well last season. And he's kind of found that groove and that niche of 
how much space he can allow, when he can get aggressive on some of those routes and try and bait some of the receivers into some space, and more so bait the quarterback into throwing space and then him collapsing it and making a play on the ball. But there's there's some obvious, you know, worries there and some some nervousness of, of how well that holds up and if better quarterbacks down the line might be able to take more advantage of that. But for now, it's not broken, so let's not try and fix it. I'm guessing it won't be too much of a problem in London against Derek Carr and the Oakland Raiders, but whatever happens in that game, we will be here to break it all down for you Monday morning on Locked On Bears. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast to keep up with all of our daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. And if you really want to do us a favor, tell a friend about the show. It's the best way for us to reach more Bears fans and help everybody bear down. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.